Let's start by all joining together in praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. Getting ready for this sermon series, and especially this very first sermon, sent me back to kind of a surprising place. The more that I think about the idea of ownership and identity and what those things mean for our lives, the more I see the connection there. And if you were born sometime in the last three decades or were a parent of a kid who was born sometimes in the last three decades, you know what I'm talking about. I cannot help but see all the parallel theological ideas between us being God's prized possession and Toy Story. If you didn't grow up with Toy Story, then you've got something really awesome to discover in four movies and at least a couple decades worth of cultural love that keeps this series going, even through today. Toy Story has this lasting draw that pulls people in, no matter who they are or what age they are or where they come from. And I think I really know why. I think it's because Toy Story is all about this. This is what I keep coming back to, and I can't get out of my head. This is where I see all of the comparisons start to be made and then build out from this point. This is what the movies are really all about. You could sum it up in this one scene. Who we are. Whose we are. And how the answer to those questions can shape and reshape our lives. So that's why these are the exact same questions that we're going to be asking this week and the next few weeks after this. These are the things that we're going to look to God's word for answers and wrestle with what the Bible has to say because the truth is you and I are owned by God. Now it's time to start unpacking a little bit about what that reality means. And we are going to start way back with the beginning and God's account of the beginning of all things and even before the verses we got to in the beginning today, we got to go back a little bit further. If you haven't read the creation account of Genesis 1 in a while or haven't read it at all, then later on today you're going to go back and you're going to read it in about two minutes. And in those two minutes, you're going to start noticing some of the patterns going on here. And God made. And God made. And God made. And there was evening. And there was morning. And there was evening. And there was morning, but especially this one, and God made the animals according to their own kinds. And God made the birds according to their own kinds. And God made the plants, and God made the, the creepy crawlies, and God made all these different things according to their own kinds. Everything else up to this point that God created before people were made to just be like them, their thing themselves their own way of being animals like animals plants like plants and you're going to find this detail repeated again and again and again in fact god used those specific words so many times that when you get to verse 26 where we started today the change feels so strong everything else was created according to its own kind and those plants and animals would make more according to their own kinds but not people not us. Not when God made us. Then God said, 
let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. If you've heard Christians talk about this idea of the image of God or being image bearers of God, you've probably heard them talking about the practical ways that this impacts our lives. Well, this verse is exactly where that whole idea comes from. People are made in the image of God. So what does that mean? I don't think I know all the details and all the ways to express what that means quite yet. I'm going to be writing a paper and doing a presentation on this for a group of pastors in a couple months. So look for another sermon series and prob probably a Bible study series coming after that when I've got all that down. But I do think I, do think I can give you the simple definition, and this is going to be a place to start today. The image of God means that people were created perfect. People were made to be the crown, the best of God's creation. People were made to be his. And in case you missed it the first time as we go through God's word, God repeats the thought again so you don't miss it. Right after this, he says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is one of those Hebrew ways of trying to emphasize a point and bring it out by saying the same thing again and again. So to be clear, people were created different than everything else. People have something that all the rest of creation does not have. God made people to reflect him. And that matters. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. All the rest of creation, the days before this, were made for the image bearers. People were going to be the ones that watched over and guarded and guided the world. God made people... Above all of it, everything was made for them. And then the last standout detail you're going to read in Genesis 1 comes at the very end of God's creating all things. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And this good isn't like good the way we think about it. This is God saying his creation is complete. This is God saying he was finished because what he made was the perfect masterpiece that he wanted to make from plants to animals to people who would reflect him. It was all done. Now, if that all sounds like a different world and a different way of life than you and I know and understand and experience, it's because that was. We go back to Genesis 1 and we read about the world before people disobeyed God. But it doesn't take long after that to see the world and people in the way that we know it now today. If later on you keep reading for about another three minutes, you're going to get to Genesis chapter 5. And Genesis chapter 5 tells the story of the world that we know. It's this list of fathers and their kids and how long they lived 
But two things changed by Genesis 5. Now it tells us that people were born in their parents' image. And then how many years? And then they died. And Genesis 5 reads exactly like that, about 30 times over. And he was born, and he had this many kids, and they were born in his likeness, and they died. Born kids, same likeness, died. Born kids, same likeness, died, 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 died. If God blesses you with kids, and maybe he won't bless you, but if he blesses you with kids, you're going to find out that uh, people really like to talk about this. When we were back up north uh, just this last week, this happened with our family, like constantly, this is one of the questions that people kept asking about Ophelia. Uh, from birth to childhood to definitely adults too, people want to know who your kids look like. More mom or more dad? Where'd they get those blue eyes? Did those things come from grandpa and skip over our generation? They're tall and you're not tall, so where exactly did that height come from? Whatever details came from the family, people want to try to figure out where they came from and who they are because of those details. And it's kind of fun, and really it's cute to try to see yourself in your kids or to try to find what other people look like in their kids too. But there's this other side of being born like our parents it's not only the good things that get passed down from parents to kids it's the bad that goes all the way generations back to Genesis the imperfections and the struggles and the issues it's the mistakes that kids watch and see and then they repeat again it's the way that sin has messed up our bodies from the time that Adam and Eve messed up and it was passed down again and again, and it makes our bodies temporary. It's the way that all of our lives in these bodies are going to end, because that's what happened to our parents, and our grandparents, and our great-grandparents before us. We're going to see the worst effect of sin passed down when we face death. And so who we are, whose we are from our family, how people were created, that kind of feels completely different now from what God said at the very beginning. Now we look down on these bodies and we start to wonder if we can be like God at all. Thankfully, Genesis 1 and 5 are not the only parts of the Bible because we're not going to be left looking back hopelessly and wanting to know who we are and whose we are and if maybe there's some hope. God doesn't leave these, these questions unanswered or open-ended. God's like Andy. He takes his toys and he flips them over and he writes in bold and permanent marker on their feet, just like that, you and I are owned by God. And since we're his, he does not leave these broken bodies and lives to only reflect death and bad things. He recreates us in Jesus. Through Jesus' work to live perfectly and die in our place, God decided to exchange the good for the bad. God took away the sin and gave us his perfection again. God remakes us to reflect him and who he is and what he is like so that right now 
no matter what's going on in your body right now because of Jesus, God describes you and sees you as very good, perfect. God sees you as his masterpiece. And it wasn't because of you or what you didn't do or what you did do. It was because God had a masterpiece of a plan to save you. As you get into the Bible and dig more into Christianity, you're going to start finding out more about these details that were just crazy, pointing people to Jesus. Thousands of years of the right thing happening at the exact right time so that Jesus could be born at Christmas. Predictions that gave absolutely specific descriptions of how that would look like and where Jesus would be. Then you get the details of Jesus' life on earth and the ways that God proved that Jesus was not just a human being, but he was God come to earth. He was God who was going to exchange himself for you and me. And then all the ways that God finished his master plan to save. And the more time you spend in his word and learn about him and his masterpiece of a plan, the more you're going to see just how amazing it is. I think I can rightly admit that I, uh, I'm not really a good judge of what a masterpiece normally looks like. Because I can appreciate the artwork of the Sistine Chapel and see it, at least on the internet so far, and see it and look at it, and it's good. But I don't know. I read through The Count of Monte Cristo, right, this really long, awesome novel, one of the best books of all time, and it kept my attention through to the end. And once I got to the end, I said, is that really it? I listened to pieces of music, Mozart. Uh, Gustav Holtz and I hear these things and I like the things that I recognize and know probably from the cartoons when I was growing up and the rest of it eh as a judge of a masterpiece that's not me because I know that there are better and hopefully much more qualified people in whatever area that they work in where people are going to tell this is a masterpiece and this isn't this is amazing this is normal and I think it's okay for us to lean on those kind of people and appreciate them and their perspectives and their opinions more than our thoughts that might not know. So if you and I can do that for these pieces of artwork, these pieces of creation that people have made in our lives, we can do that with God's creation too, can't we? We can leave it up to his judgment. We can let him have the last word on us. So that, yes, even for us today, we can know that we are his masterpiece. We're the best of everything God created. We're the ones God is remaking and reshaping to be perfect in Jesus' forgiveness. We're a masterpiece. And here's what it's going to look like as God does this. You're going to get God's perspective from his word. In there, you're going to find your identity in what he tells you about you you will know that you're forgiven and loved. You're going to know that God cares about you more than anything else he could ever care about. You're his masterpiece. And in his word, he's going to tell you again and again and again. It's going to be reminders of what happened for you in your baptism. About the picture that God gives us of what happens in baptism, like what happened to Jesus. Like this broken and bad and messed up body dies like Jesus dies. 
and then this perfect and holy and forgiven new person rises just like he rose. And every day we think about this, and every day the bad dies and the new person comes to life because every day your baptism matters as God tries to show you who you are. His masterpiece is yours when on weeks when we have it, you take bread and wine, and in a way we don't understand, Jesus gives you his body and blood, and he says, for you, for your forgiveness. Because this special meal that we get to have here is going to point you ahead to the feast in heaven that is going to be way better. The masterpiece now that God is preparing for you there. The place where you're going to get to know perfection and only perfection and nothing bad ever again. In heaven, you're finally going to get to see what you were created to be like him reflecting only perfection. And you're going to know what that means all the time. So maybe Toy Story isn't going to capture fully the entirety of this series and all these parts of God's word. But maybe it can be a place for you and I to start. You're his. You're his best. He cares about you. And you can know for sure that his masterpiece plan to restore you and make you his masterpiece again, that happened in Jesus. Amen.